my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Howdy, hey, and hello there. Welcome to another episode of Weird Finance, a show where we try to feel a little less weird about money one conversation at a time. And this week, I am excited to share my conversation with Mistress Marley. Mistress Marley is a pro financial dominatrix based in Brooklyn, New York. She's the co-founder of Whip's Dungeon and the owner of the Sex Academy, a kink education-based platform hosted through Patreon. Mistress Marley has been featured in the New York Times, BuzzFeed, Paper Mag, Refiner29, Vice, Business Insider, and a variety of podcasts. Her mission is to help people find success in their kink and BDSM professional careers by teaching. Please enjoy Mistress Marley. Mr. Smiley, I want to welcome to Weird Finance. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to learn more about who you are and what it is you do. And so if we could just dive right in. I've loved the definitions I've heard you give on all the interviews that you've done when it comes to what is a financial dominatrix. Would you mind just 
giving our listeners your quick definition of what a financial dominatrix is? So a financial dominatrix um, works with the kink called financial domination. So financial domination is basically a psychological kink that involves humiliating a sub or a man who in return pays you for existing. Amazing. How did you get into this world of being a FinDom? Um, I kind of just stumbled upon this world. It wasn't something that I was ever told about from anyone else. It wasn't something that I saw on TV. It's pretty much something where I was just Googling how to make money online as a woman. Um, I was working in corporate America at that time, living in New York. There's never enough money to be made. Um, so I pretty much just Googled that and financial domination came up and it took me to Twitter. And after going through Twitter and on the post and looking at things of that nature, I was like, I think I can do this. And the rest has been history. Do you mind sharing what your life was like before you got into FinDom? And you can you know, tell us what it was like day to day, what your what your job was, if you're, if you're comfortable sharing that and like what your financial life felt like before you got into this work. So before I was a financial dominatrix, I was an assistant buyer at a fashion company, very dull, day-to-day, nine-to-five, going in, sitting behind a computer, going through meetings, just really, really boring. Financially, for me, it was barely like hitting 2000 a month. On top of like rent, I was living with other roommates. At the time, I had like five other roommates in a New York apartment, which was just a lot to come home to after a long day. I bet. Yeah. Financially, before I got into this, I definitely was counting penny to penny. There was even times where I would have to reach out to my parents and ask them if they could, you know, maybe get me some groceries for the week, things of that nature. But I refused to, like, move away from New York because I'd moved to New York from North Carolina and nobody ever wants to go back home. So I just, <laughs> like, you know, I just need to be making other forms of income. So even on the side, when I was working in corporate, I took on I took on a job at a swingers club as a hostess. So I kind of always found my way into like quirky type jobs but yeah sure so of course you you emanate a sense of worth and worthiness and if i read your story correctly you you googled i mean you did tell your story but as far as timeline goes i heard you telling your story you googled how to make money as a woman online and you just dove right in like you didn't have any hesitation and my question to you is, have you always had this strong sense of worthiness and, and value from within? Or is that something you needed to work on before this work? Or is it something that came with the work? So I've always just had this strong personality of diving right in. Um, I'm very big on Zodiac. So I'm an Aquarius woman. And Aquariuses, we just believe in doing things that aren't the norm. We have a lot of confidence. We don't really believe in sticking with the crowd or being with the crowd. So even all through childhood, middle school, high school, I was always that kid that even dressed differently than everybody else. Like we had to wear uniforms in high school and I always try to find ways to make my like uniforms more funky. Like I was in the 11th grade wearing platform heels all day during school. Like I was just always trying to find a way to be different. So when I saw the financial domination and FinDom online, there was never a moment where I was like, oh no, I can't do that. I was like, I'm doing that shit. Like I'm doing that right now. So like <laughs> I just jumped right into it. I love it. Yeah. So- are your clients typically the same or do you work with a varying degree of clients? Do you mind talking a little bit about who you work with? So I want to say like before I blew up or got bigger or started getting more followers, my clientele was mostly like the same of like Wall Street men that were like in power in their day to day and wanted to feel powerless, like bankers, those type of guys. But then the more I got popular, the more I started like getting your everyday nine to five guy, your construction worker, 
just the regular guy you might pass by on the street. So it kind of just ranged like differently. I've had celebrities, I've had NFL players. So like, it's just like a different range. It's one of those things where like in financial domination, it's not sometimes always about being the richest guy. Sometimes it's the guy that just has enough income to maybe spend a little or to splurge a little. Just like some guys might splurge on like a sports game or a video game or something of that nature. These guys will splurge on like financial domination. So, And do you have long-term relationships with clients? Like, do you work with them short-term? How does somebody forge a relationship, a working relationship with you? So it ranges. So I have four long-term submissives right now. So pretty much those submissives are there to serve me in ways of like running my errands, cleaning my house. Um, if I have events, they might come and serve me at my events or serve the other ladies that I have there at events. Um, it's really about creating a relationship that you trust. Not every sub is going to be that long-term sub. There's some subs that I only have one session with on Skype. Um, they might give me their money for the hour and then I never hear from them again. This is an industry where you really can't get too attached to people because a lot of these men mm. are feeling fetishes, meaning that maybe for that hour, they really wanted to fulfill this. It was something they really wanted and they never want to do it again. You know, you can't really hold that against them. It's all about just having those conversations. But my longer term subs are the ones that I've had consistent sessions with, the ones that I've been able to talk to outside of kink and really be able to just gauge how we want to, you know, interact with each other. Got it. Um, I have to ask this question. Do you have any subs where you control their bank account? Does it ever go that far into them giving up their power? So I've had a few subs like that. So I've had subs where they've gone out with friends, um, maybe out for drinks to the bar or whatever. And I literally tell them like, you can't spend my money. Um, you can't get this, you can't get that. If I feel like they're good or being good boys, I might say, okay, you can get a $10 drink, you can get $15 something, um, but that's all you can spend. And they pretty much throughout the night have to tell me what they've spent. And usually I've like give them a budget, like you can spend $40 while you're out or, or I'll be like, you can't spend anything at all. Like just even hearing you talk about it makes me feel like secondhand power just <laughs> hearing you talk about it. That's so wild. I didn't think that that's how I would feel in my body, but that's exactly how I feel in my body. So I can definitely see the yeah, the attraction to it. Um, do you understand, like, do you understand the psychology behind why some men want to give their power away and and in the form of money? Could you talk about that a little bit? Um, I think a lot of men see it as a thrill. Um, for them, the thought of sending someone money that they will never meet in person, um, someone that they can't even expect to get a nude photo back from or anything of that nature, to them, it's humiliating. It likes to feel humiliating. So it could be self-humiliating, like, oh, my God, I'm so dumb. I just sent a woman some money and she's not going to talk to me anymore or whatever. Um, for some people, it's the thrill of, oh, what if I get found out? What if my family knows that I'm sending or some people, you know, some of these men, mm. what if my wife finds out that I'm spending our money that's supposed to be for our family, you know? So a lot of them have like fetishes that they are hiding from other people, but they find like a thrill within doing it to themselves. Do you think that this is becoming more mainstream lately? I think it's definitely becoming more mainstream. You know, it's been in a couple of TV shows. It was in a TV show called Euphoria at one point. There's a yeah that did Fendom. Um, over the pandemic, it became really popular because, you know, we were forced to be in the online space. So really the best way to make money in the Dom world was by doing financial domination. And then also too, like myself and other people, there's a lot of education popping up. You know, there's people that are teaching mm -hmm. classes, how to be safe, um, how to make money, how to build a brand and things of that nature. So I definitely think it's becoming more mainstream in the sense of people finding out about it. But I feel like the ratio of people actually staying in it that try is way smaller. Like there's people that get in it 
realized like this is work because you know it's all in the realm of sex work and sex work is work so it's not an easy job at all yeah it doesn't seem like an easy job it seems like you have a lot to manage you know as a small business owner i know you're wearing all the hats right you have to do all the marketing you have to do all the accounting and talk to your tax accountant and all that good stuff speaking of which like how do you get started in a job like this what was it like for you to initially put yourself out there what were the avenues that you started marketing basically so initially i just started out by just posting on twitter where everyone else posts um to me i was still working my nine to five so it was just a little side job I saw it as just gifts, like, okay, a sub is sending me $50, $100 here on Cash App. I can pay some bills or whatever. Um, but then the more money I started making, I quit my corporate job January 2020. I was, like, done with it. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Because um, it was to the point where my corporate job was getting in the way of, like, doing Fendom. Like, there were certain hours that I know if I was online, I could make a lot of money. But being at work 9 to 5, like, messed with that. And then the more money I started making, that's when I pretty much um, went ahead and got my LLC and made a business. Under this business, I'm able to do the kink education. I'm able to throw the women's empowerment events. I might even open a dungeon here in Brooklyn. So there's so many different things I've done since I quit that job. Can you tell me about the dungeon? What kinds of things occur in the dungeon? Is there financial dominating happening in the dungeon as well? Yes. Yeah, so Whip's Dungeon in Brooklyn was opened by myself and my close friend, Goddess Rue. Um, we pretty much wanted a space to be able to go do sessions. There were times where we you know, would try to do sessions in the city in Manhattan, and it was always hard to book spaces or, you know, um, just being a Black woman trying to book these other spaces, passive aggressiveness, dealing with things of that nature. Um, so we opened the dungeon, and not only is it for, like, financial domination, but there's physical domination, too, the traditional doming that you see of the whipping and the paddles and the bondage and the rope and all those things. But then we also opened an academy for um, women that wanted to learn how to be more dominant. So... It's just a space for everything. And people even rent us out for parties, events, things of that nature, photo shoots. So it's just an all-in-one inclusive space. I love it. Do you think that since the relationship is subs giving away their power, do you think that you being a Black woman, someone who historically just has not had power given to them, do you think that plays into the, the kink as well? It definitely plays into it. Um, a lot of clients and subs that hit me up, they like to start with, I think you're a powerful Black woman. Black women are superior. Um, there's even a um, kink we have online, online called BNWO, which is Black New World Order. You know, it's so many different things that subs will look at and, you know, pretty much want to take on. Like, I want to serve this Black woman because she's dominant, she's superior. So it plays a part. I'm so curious too, like you just wake up in the morning and then you look on your cash app and people have discovered you on Twitter and then they just they just send you a tribute and you just wake up to money in the morning. That's definitely what happens. <laughs> you described, that's, that's, described it perfectly. Wow. So we call those like overnight sins. So those are sins or tributes okay. I get um, while I'm asleep. I wake up in the morning, check my cash app. I'll see it on all different avenues, website requests, video session requests. Subs want to be humiliated on camera and stuff like that. So it, it all is a great thing to wake up to in the morning. Are you ever publicly recognizing any of these subs or it's all like one-on-one? -on -one? I mean, sometimes I guess you don't even talk to them. They just pay tribute and that's that, right? Yeah. Um, it really just depends. Wow. Like, it's all about the engagement the subs have with you. So you have some subs that will send. Those are called like silent senders where... They don't want to be acknowledged. They might not even message you after and say, hey, I sent money. Like, you'll just see you got money. And then you have some subs that will be like, hey, goddess, I sent tribute. 
Um, I would like a Skype session in which we charge a different rate for that. But it just all depends. Got it. Uh, this story probably is irrelevant, but it may make, I'm going to tell it anyways. But during COVID, October 2020, my friends and I, we rented a house out in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. And there's this strip club in Los Angeles called Jumbo's Clown Room that we absolutely, we loved going there. And of course, during the pandemic, it was closed down. But on Halloween that year, they were doing virtual shows. So they had mm -hmm. all of the dancers on Zoom. And they some of them had polls, some of them didn't. But the way that they used the camera made me really understand and realize that these people are incredible at their job. They know exactly what it's like to have their gaze fixed on them and to provide entertainment in that way was, it, it really, I already respected these dancers, but it made me respect them even more. But there was one thing that happened where me and all my friends, we felt this like pull and we had never felt it before. And what happened was you could Venmo the main, um, MC of the evening and she would then shout out your name mm. after you Venmo the main MC because then the, the tips would get split up amongst all the dancers and she would say thank you Paco thank you Jen thank you Anne thank you Jenna and these are all my friends who are with us mm -hmm. and as soon as we saw ourselves recognized by these people it made us feel so excited and I could not believe how quickly we parted with our dollars after we realized <laughs> that was something that was happening so that was my question about being being recognized by you, getting your attention, that story, that experience for me made me realize like, oh, wow, I can see what the appeal is because I don't have the kink where uh, I want to give up my power. I come from the opposite side of that where I'm like, how can I get more power in the world? The last thing I feel like I want to do is give it up. But I, I can definitely feel like holding someone's attention who you think would never pay attention to you, how that can be so appealing. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we do that also. So like on like Twitter, like say if Jeff sent us some money, we would say loser Jeff, send more than that. What my Jeff, like, you know, we'd say something like that and sometimes they'll keep sending. So we'll do that sometimes. Right. So it's the same kind of psychology, yeah. same, same, but different is what it sounds like. Yeah. Do you ever work with women? Yes. So I have had um, subs that have been women. Not more so fin subs, but I find a lot more women want that in-person domination. Um, they want to be mm. up and whipped and things of that nature. I've had maybe two online fin subs that have been women in my whole career, but it's just not, it's not something you see normally. Okay. Okay. That, again, I think, again, it makes sense because, you know, uh, women are born with inherently less power in the world that we live in. And so it feels strange to want to give that up some more, but yeah. I'm not kink shaming. I'm just trying to say I, I can under, maybe understand why the that's uh, less common. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about what your beliefs were before you got into this world. And doing research about you listening on back on your other interviews, to me, it sounds like you've always radiated abundance. Like mm -hmm. you've always known what you were worth. And to me, that's really fascinating. Can, were you raised in a particular way? Do you attribute that to your parents? Like how can women be more like Mistress Marley in the sense that they feel their inherent worthiness? Do you have any tips for us? Going back on your question, growing up, um, my parents raised all of their kids to have confidence. Um, they instilled confidence in all of us. They made sure each and every one of us was loved in the way that we needed to be loved. 
Um, like I said, I was the weird child that liked to wear the weird things to school. And my mom was always like, I found this at the thrift store for you. And my dad was always like, let me get you a camera because I know you like photography. So they were always very supportive of goals and things of that nature. So I always grew up, I always grew up coming into this world. Like I know I can get whatever that I want. And I usually try to teach other women that, that you deserve what you want. No should never be an answer. I strongly believe in manifestation. I'm very spiritual when it comes to that. I believe in what you say is your word and what you say is the truth and everything that you want will come to fruition. As long as you believe, as long as you have no self-doubt, you shouldn't have any self-doubt because you deserve it. Who am I or who is anyone else to tell you that you don't deserve something, you know? So I try to tell women, just go for it. I always say closed mouths don't get fed. You know, I hate to sound so harsh and so in your face, but it would suck if you were to die tomorrow and you didn't do anything that you really wanted to do. And now you're in the afterlife cussing yourself out, you know, like, damn, I should have did that. So that's how I always put things more bluntly to even get myself moving. Like, girl, what if you die tomorrow? Just do it. You know, so it's sometimes, yeah. you have to, sometimes you have to be like that to yourself. Totally. You're so inspiring. Yeah. If anything, are you reclaiming through your work? And what do you hope to help other women reclaim as you teach them to be fin doms as well? I am definitely reclaiming my time 100%, like 100%. Dating life, before I got into this, Men were time wasters. I let men waste my time, unfortunately. You know, I always thought like, oh, it's going to be this cute love story and blah, blah, blah. And I know he's a time waster. But now, like, becoming a sex worker, and some of my other sex work friends say this too, you know when someone's wasting your time right away. Because we deal with time. Mm. We deal with those men that come in our inbox and say, I'm going to send you $200 and then they disappear. So we know what a time waster looks like just by the language, just by you typing to me and talking to me. So... I want more women to gather that too. Reclaim your time. Like know who's worth your time, who's not worth your time. Know what to accept from a man and what not to accept. Any man that wants to do for you will do for you. I mean, I have strangers sending me thousands of dollars and they haven't even met me. So why am I over here on a struggle date with you or struggling to date you and <laughs> met me, you know? So it's just it's just not worth it. You know, you just have to reclaim your time. I really want to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing one of the most like insane encounters that you've had with the sub so far or just like a crazy story do you, do you mind sharing i think my most insane one was my first ever in-person session so i had been a fendom for a year online and i wanted to try my hand at in-person domination i felt like i had learned enough online i had been to a couple events and like in-person things where i saw how like the women were doming men um in person so um I met up with the sub and I remember before I met up, I called my best friend. I was like, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And he was like, oh, you're fine. Just have a glass of wine or whatever. Mind you, you should never like drink going into these type of sessions because it's just not safe. Um, but I was so nervous at the time. So when I got to the session um, before him, the guy was telling me how he had this crazy pain tolerance, like nothing hurts him. Like it doesn't matter. He's been with so many doms and he's never even hurt or yelled out or screamed. And I was like, okay. And mind you, I had this paddle and it was the weakest paddle. It's one of those beginner paddles from Amazon. It's like made out of like pretty much <laughs> foam or something. Like it's just weak, but it looks cute because it's pink and it says like slave on it or something. And I remember just hitting him with that. He just screamed like it just hurt so bad. And it was to the point where like, <laughs> had, like the session was for an hour. And I'm, I want to say 10 minutes and we were done. And I was just so over it. because I'm just like. Okay, my time just got wasted. My first session did not go how I wanted it to be. And now it's like really awkward. Thankfully, he didn't ask for his money back. There was no refunds or anything. But it was just very awkward and weird for that to be my first time ever. And, you know, my friend is just like, 
that doesn't turn you away from not wanting to do it anymore. I'm like, no, that makes me want to just have a better one. So I want to keep striving to get a better session. You know, the way I look at it is you put 10 minutes in for 60 minutes of work. Right. You know, the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And now, time for a financial public service announcement. Hi, welcome to the Orange Store, where we sell beautiful computer machines that creative people love to use. How can I help you today? Hello, my name is Otis, and I'd like to buy a $1,500 gift card. Okay, Otis, I can definitely help you out. Before we get started, may I ask, are these gift cards for you or someone you know? No, I received a call from an IRS agent, John Smith Jones, and he informed me over the last eight years there has been an issue with my tax filings and I have a balance that I must pay off via Orange Computer Store gift cards. Otis, I have to let you know. Unfortunately, the man claiming to be an IRS agent is in fact a scammer. No one from a government agency or a regular company for that matter will ever ask you to pay them in gift cards. Here, Let's go take a look at one of our computers and I can show you some new reports. Golly, thank you so much. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle.
Weird Finance. Weird Finance. Weird Finance. Weird Finance. So let's talk about women who want to get into this work. What kinds of risks do you encounter being a, a FinDom? So for women that want to get into this work, they have to realize that this is a part of your life that not everybody is going to agree with. A majority of people aren't going to agree with it or get it. Luckily, I'm in a space where my family is accepting of it. My parents are very supportive. But I know for some people, telling about this lifestyle could be the difference between living with someone and being kicked out, you know? Mm -hmm. So realize mm -hmm. the safety that goes into it. I think a lot of people see the glitz and glamour of the money and me going on trips and all this stuff. They have to realize that you have to stay safe because only you can look out for you, you know? Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of my classes I preach, making sure you try to have security. If it's your first session and you don't have anyone um, that you can hire security, maybe find a friend that can go with you. Um, knowing the safety between doing sessions at dungeons and hotels and Airbnbs and things of that nature, knowing the sex worker laws in each state, you know? And a lot of states, this work is illegal. It's not legal work. So, you know, we're working really hard to get it decriminalized still all over. But just realizing that this is kind of work where you kind of have to have your own back. The community is there, but the community is not going to be there with you in session. The community is online. They can be able to talk to you and help you, you know, come down after session or give you advice before session. But during session, you're there by yourself. So you really have to, like, know the risk of going into this industry and realizing that it's not all like glitz and glamour. Totally. So, and then lastly, like, what are some of the things that you wish you knew about being a financial dominatrix before you got into that? Like, if you could look back and tell your, you know, tell, tell yourself three years ago, here are the things that I wish I knew going into this. What would they be? Always take deposit before any session. So my first ever- Get that money. My first ever online virtual session, I did the entire session on Skype and the guy never paid me. He just like blocked me. And this is why I tell people now, at least get half deposit up front, because if they disappear or don't show up for session, at least you got some money and your time wasn't completely wasted. I would definitely tell my younger Fendom self that. I would also tell myself, too, that, you know, don't compare yourself to anyone else's journey. I think when I first came in, I was seeing Fendoms that had been in the game for a long time. Like, oh, my gosh, like, am I ever going to get there? They're doing this, this, this. And here I am just doing this. But it's just like we all have our own separate journey. What might work for one Fendom does not work for me and vice versa. So you have to pretty much just find your own footing. And then also I would tell myself, um, don't stress about waking up and making content every day. Um, I used to think I had to wake up every day and get glammed up and shoot something. Whereas now it's like working smart and not hard. Now I just rather shoot, you know, as much content as I can in one day and post over the next couple months. So um, just really keeping those things in mind. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on here. I want to do the rapid fire questions. But before that, let's uh, let's say um, where can the listeners follow along and find you, Mistress Marley? So the best place to find me for everything up to date and fun and all those things is my Twitter. So my Twitter is twitter.com slash eyes, E-Y-E-S-X on O-N fire. So eyes X on fire. Um, or you can just type in Mistress Marley and I will come up from there. You can click my link tree in my bio and it hosts all my different links. Because I have so many different ones. So that's just the easiest way for me to be able to tell you. Mistress Marley is everywhere, folks. She's <laughs> featured in the New York Times and Playboy and Complex. <laughs> we're, we're lucky to have her here with us. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on. All right. So let's do these rapid fire questions here. First thing is, is there anything that you purchased recently or maybe not even recently at any time at all where you feel like, 
okay, it maybe have it might have been a lot of money or on the outside it looks silly that you feel like was money well spent. So, like I said before, my background is in fashion. So I grew up just knowing fashion all my life. Um, once I started making a good amount of money, my first ever purchase where even the next day I was like, should I take it back? Was a, a $6,000 Chanel bag. Ooh wee. Ooh wee. I remember I walked in and I had never made a purchase that big to the point that when I swiped my card, Wells Fargo was like, is this fraud? Like they had to call me, you know, they were like, <laughs> they called you. Yeah. They was like, is this you? And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, no, I have the money. Like I have the money. Like, so it was just that. But the next day I was like, oh shit, should I take it back? But now here it is years later, still sitting in my closet and I love it. So it was my first ever designer bag. Amazing. Amazing. All right. What is, uh, you already talked, touched on this before, but uh, you, why don't you give it in context, in a larger context? So what's one piece of financial advice you'd give to your younger self? I would tell my younger self to save and stop spending as soon as it gets in your hand. I think once I got to financial domination and I learned in this industry that you know, a lot of money in the sex worker industry is fast money. It could be here today, gone tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I had to condition myself to save. I had to stop thinking of, oh, well, I'll spend a hundred today and a sub will send a hundred more tomorrow. It was more so, no, you know, I made a hundred today and I'm saving it and we're going to keep saving it up for, you know, bigger and better things. So definitely to save, save, save. Love it. I love that advice. Of course, I love that <laughs> advice. I'm curious, did you grow up with any financial superstitions like I know there was always like, if you find a penny face down, it's bad luck. But for me, one was like my grandma would, if she caught me scratching my hands and I had an itchy palm, she would say, money's going to be coming to you soon. Did you grow up with anything like that? Um, yeah. So one of mine is to never put your purse or your bag on the floor. That's how you lose money. Never do it. I don't, right. like, I have a person, if I go to a restaurant, I ask for a chair for my bag or like some type of holder. I'm not putting it on the floor. No joke. I can't remember where I was, but my wife, we were like out in a public place very recently and she was asking me to hold her bag. I think we were shopping. She asked me to hold her bag and I had all this crap and I was trying to manage all the crap and put stuff in her bag and reorient it. And I looked down and I was like, oh fuck, I let her bag touch the, the ground. Oh no. Did she see it? <laughs> Did anybody see it? But for a split second, I was like, uh-oh. And it's, yeah. it's so interesting that these things that, you know, this is, we still live our lives by these superstitions. Right. Last question is, do you have any financial fumbles in your past that you can look back on and laugh at? I don't know if I can laugh at it because it's still so. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's too like, soon. <laughs> so in like college, you know, you would get the student loan. They would give you a refund back or whatever. And I would spend that refund like it's nobody's business. And that was definitely a financial <laughs> Because those would be refunds of like six thousand, seven thousand dollars that you're supposed to be paying back to the loan. Yeah. At that time, eighteen, nineteen, we're going to the mall, we're buying things, when we go out to like the clubs and stuff, like we're just buying all these clothes and doing all these things. So that's definitely one of my financial fumbles that I still look back on today and I'm just like, I should have saved that money. Like seven But it's also crazy. Should have saved it. Yeah. But it's also crazy that they're just like letting, you know, eighteen to twenty one year olds make this make those decisions that's what i think is crazier give us the money like we wake up the next morning and it'll be seven thousand dollars in our bank account like what do you think we're gonna do <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know yeah. okay i know i said i i didn't have any more questions but i do have actually one more question okay that I, kind of popped up is has anyone especially because you have subs that are bankers and working on wall street has anyone ever gifted you like assets like stocks or oh. bitcoin or I am on one of my subs, Will. So I am in his will. Oh. <laughs> so I get a, I love this. So I get a nice chunk of change when he croaks. I hate to use that word, but. 
you know, it is what it is. So, yes. (laughs) Mr. Smiley, this has been my absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you again for sharing your work and your story and your abundance that you radiate. I I hope that our paths will cross again in the future. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is Chris Laughter. I'm at Echo Park Lake in Los Angeles, California, trading loose change for perspective. And today I talked with people about first dates, expectations when it comes to picking up the tab and where those expectations come from. I talked to a married couple who reflect back to their first dates, a young couple who seem to be in sync, and a couple women both in relationships who got real on the topic. So here goes. What is your perspective on the obligation to pay for a first date? Um, I, I think it's open to interpretation, but I can tell you, like, I guess when we went on our first date, uh, I think at the time I, I felt like uh, gender equality was really important and I didn't want to presume to, you know, pay and, like, um, make her feel like, you know, I was, I don't know, playing in tr- traditional gender roles. So let's say that she offered to pay for your date on this, the first date. Mm. How do you feel about that I think, uh, I think I would have a hard time, uh, just because 
You know, like in movies and books and popular culture, it's like the guy is so often expect, you know, put, you know, pays for the first date or pays for a lot of dates, it seems like. But um, I like to think that I could just, you know, let it happen and and be grateful. Uh, but I, I don't well, know. It's funny right now because I'm a sugar mama for the, for the, for the next like six months yeah. because he's doing a career change. And I have a permanent position, well, semi-permanent position for the for the time being, so. Paying for the first date, is that something you feel obligated to do, or do you feel? Absolutely, yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, because it shows that you're like a gentleman, I don't know, chivalry. If you were to invite the man on the first date, would you like to pay for the, the date, or would you like him to pay for the date? No, I'd like him to pay for the date. What do you think that is? Um, I think that's just a standard I have for people I date. It's just kind of their role, and some people may disagree, but that's just how I feel about it, so. Do you guys ever think about, like, where these ideas come from? I've thought about it, but I haven't put too much thought. I just think it goes back to, like, men throughout the history of time kind of being like the leaders and the dominant especially when it comes to like war and being a soldier so it's almost like the male is a provider so it's just a service that i'm providing in that relationship what do you think no i agree i think it goes back to like generations and how my how our parents raised us totally. yeah how would you respond if the female wanted to actually pay for dinner on the first date my first initial response would be like, no, it's okay, I got it. But then, you know, if she was, you know, persistent about it, I would just let her take it. Yeah. It's not a big deal to me. I mean, even though I'm always, like, the one pulling out my card first, like, if you want to pay, you know. And that's something in our relationship, you know. It's like, if I get dinner, she'll be like, hey, I got coffee, you know. Mm -hmm. At this point in our relationship, it's just kind of back and forth. But, yeah, I think in most of my relationships, and it's funny you ask me this, but... There was a time with certain people, you know, where I just paid for everything. And then, like, like years would go by. I'm like, motherfucker, like, you're going to pull out that fucking car and pull out some cash? <laughs> Excuse my language, but that's just the way it was. Talk to me about your perspective on paying for the first date. Hmm, good question. It definitely identifies a feminist. And I remember there was, like, an internal battle, which I'm sure mm -hmm. I share with a lot of other people that identify as women, that they that I thought that they should pay. But I remember my now boyfriend in the beginning, he paid and I was like, I remember thinking this is great. Yeah. <laughs> so there, that's definitely my own internal battle. I don't know if that's the way it should be, yeah. but definitely I think conditioned that way. What do you think that comes from? I mean, definitely just social conditioning, like patriarchy. But I, I do also think I dated someone else before I met my boyfriend and um, he had he had Venmo requested me after or something, and I had paid for something. Like, I remember there was an element not of gender, but just of feeling like he was a little bit cheap. <laughs> I, I had paid for other things. Like, we both paid for different things, and, you know, is that bad? I don't know. Maybe yeah. these are all my own internal shit. No, I, I, I agree with that, actually. Yeah. And I think, like you said, social conditioning, I think that's a big part of it. And I don't remember having a specific conversation with my husband about you're going to pay versus I'm going to pay. I think it was just, I don't know, assumed? I don't know, I just, we just went and he paid and I said, thank you. And then, so yeah. Have either of you ever had a situation where you've tried to pay and someone has kind of either turned it down or taken it 
Uh, the question is, have you ever tried to pay? And yeah, but it's out? like a half tried for sure. I'm just being yeah. honest. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I definitely. Like I take the card out very gently. Yeah. And Actually, where's my wallet? I'm, yeah, there are probably some here. performance elements. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it feels like a test. This is a, this is a really great thing you're doing this podcast. Maybe it's something we need to dismantle. Mr. Laughter, she's, I can't believe I made you go out into the wild and walk up to random strangers to talk about money. First of all, how are you feeling about that general experience? Was it weird? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Love it. I loved uh, having a reason to walk into the unknown Amazing. and just talk to people about some something, and especially if it's something weird like money. I think one of the things I really wanted to explore with this question is like heteronormative expectations one because i don't feel bound by them in my relationship and two this whole idea of this like tension between the past and history and what society has expected men to do in these traditional roles and like moving forward with equality and so you think we hit that note do you think people were struggling with that when you reflect back on the conversations you had yeah it's, it's interesting because you know people would kind of walk into the expected first and then start to kind of, you would see the layers kind of pull back as they started questioning that expectation. And it seems like a kind of a consistent through line that as we start exploring it and trying to poke holes in it, people were open to try to think about like, okay, well maybe this isn't the only thing and maybe we should explore why we're doing the things that we're doing. And it's a good way to just start that conversation. Absolutely. Whose answer, I guess, was the most intriguing or notable or entertaining to you? <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed the, so the, the uh, second couple um, who were just talking a lot about um, chivalry and uh, they kind of, you know, a demand paying for dates uh, has been something done since, you know, early, the early years. How he kind of found himself reflecting back on situations where he was like, a little bit bitter that uh, <laughs> dates in his life have just kind of taken advantage of that, his willingness to pay for, for dates and pay for meals and stuff. And I like that the, what was underneath finally came out at the end. Right. <laughs> right. Cause we, we often op operate on the surface and then when why is asked enough, we can maybe get somewhere. It's a little bit deeper. All right. Last question for you, Chris, I have to turn it around on you and ask you, how do you navigate this? Well, I definitely have a different perspective on it now that we've had these conversations with strangers, but I pay for the first date. You do? So, uh, yeah, I tend to pay for the first date. I don't have a problem with it. But then I, I there's been situations where like um, someone offers and I'm, I'm just, I, I, I blatantly say like, well, I really appreciate that you offered. I got this. Um, but, you know, thank you. Um, and there's been, I actually... There's been times where I've let it let them pay, but that's because there's been like multiple transactions in a night, right? Sure. It could be a dinner and then it could be drinks and then it could be a dessert and then it could be something else, right? And that's sure. where it's like, okay, let's, there's a give and take to that. So if I feel that there's an expectation upon me all night long, I kind of tend to go the other way because I don't, I don't like the way that feels. So love it. Yeah, 100%. I hope to hear uh, more conversations about this stuff. Cool. Great. All right. Well, I guess I'll catch you on the next episode of Loose Change, Chris. Yeah, you got to keep sending me out. Look right. forward to it. Bye. Bye. 
Weird Finance is an iHeartMedia production and could not be possible without the help of many wonderful, caring, hardworking, and talented folks like my producer, Ramsey Yunt. He produced, edited, did our sound design, and he even sang a little bit on this episode. Thank you to Chris Laughter for walking up to random strangers for the Loose Change segment. And to my dear friends, Camille Kane and Wisconsin John, thank you for lending your voices for our special PSA. Our theme song was written and performed by me and my dear, dear friends, Jenna Parker and Andrew Parker. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, you want to be part of the show or you want to ask me a money question, give us a call at 833-ASK-PACO. That's 833-275-7226. Or you can send us an email at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. All right, that's it. We'll catch you here next week. In the meantime, take care. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.